Hello, listeners. This is Editing Katie coming to you a few days after MM and I recorded this episode. We had a bit of a technical snafu with this one where basically my audio came in on MM's channel as well. Um, I've lined everything up as best as I can do, but at some points uh, I do sound a little bit echoey. But we thought it was better to have that rather than re-record the episode uh, and have everything be a little stilted since we'd basically just be repeating ourselves uh, or just my audio on MM's channel, which would sound like I was on a faint speakerphone. So apologies for the audio and uh, we'll see you next week. everyone in advance <laughs> that is not to say we are not happy to see each other oh, and that I'm we're so, not always. still you know bi-coastal besties still. bonding over wine and mysteries um still. this one is just again another roof one it's a, some roof stoof we're about to get into roof stoof Oof. some roof stoof Oof. <sighs> hi listeners happy new year happy, happy 2021 happy 2021 Oh, that's a very cute mug that says best mom ever well, on it. Well, thank you. This was uh, one of my Christmas presents. Isn't it, isn't it cute? It's got a bunch of little, little pictures on it. Does it say it's say best mom in the world? Is that what it says? Um, In the whole world. Oh. It's an honor you didn't even know they bestowed on people, but here we are. I mean, you had that award season glow about you. Uh, is, what animal is, P- is that making that noise? Is that my animal or your animal? That That is your animal. I think P.A. Moxie doesn't understand quiet on the set. Oh. We were up late last night, everybody watching the movie, and yep. which was which was great. We we watched the cult classic nineteen eighty five Clue because neither Super Husband nor another friend of ours had seen it yet, which I don't know how that happened. And afterwards, came downstairs because I had to uh, change my bunny's litter pan for the day. Her name is Moxie. She's adorable. She's cute. She's quite sassy and rambunctious. And after I changed her litter, she got out of her pen she's usually out roaming around outside of her pen while i'm doing this stuff and she decided she was not going back to jail ever (laughs) freedom i can't go back i refuse so i mean i got out the treats and she looked at them and she turned a little fuzzy bunny tail to me and hopped away and i was like oh no she did not (laughs) so then it turned into a game of hide and seek because she's extremely quiet most of the time and then finally i had to just end up grabbing her like it was past time for her to get back in with any dignity so i had to grab her which she's not a fan of and put her back in and she was quite upset with me how dare how da- first of all how dare you how dare you put your human hands on her body now i smell like human gross disgusting <laughs> Meanwhile, Oliver is uh, in lump phase where he um, army crawls underneath the comforter and becomes just a weird lump, Aww. barely discernible on my bed. Um, because I have like a like a memory foam topper on my not old enough to be replaced yet, but old enough that I probably should get one just because I have an old lady back mattress. Um, so he sinks into the memory foam. And so it just looks like I didn't make the bed very well. 
Um, one of these days, I'm, I'm going to sit on him, and it's... <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you. Uh, Weird Lump, Barely Discernible, is the name of my forthcoming autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Lump, comma, Barely Discernible. <laughs> I was thinking colon, but comma's fine. Oh! <laughs> I would do anything to avoid actually talking about this episode, but we can't. We cannot. We Listeners, have to do it. Welcome to the season finale of the second season of uh, Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries reboot. Stolen Kids. Stolen Kids. Um, So listeners, uh, as always, just putting in the caveat that you as a true crime uh, podcast listener must already understand, but I do want to put it in there. We are not monsters, but we are covering this episode and um, the way that we deal with uh, overwhelming sorrow and uh anger at our garbage world is through inappropriate joking and laughter at weird parts and tangents so um know that deep in our hearts we feel nothing but extreme sadness for these women also as miss scarlet famously said in the cult classic 1985 clue it's my defense mechanism (laughs) never never identified with anything more in my life also, just a warning out there, um, since we are talking about a potential kidnapping, lost children, if if this is a um, an issue for anyone, content warning, please be advised. I don't know another parent out there who hasn't at least temporarily, hopefully temporarily, lost sight of their kids at some point, um, which will be the most horrifying minutes of your life. I can share my own stories after we're done telling this story. But it's an awful, awful feeling, and um, if it's going to be too much for you, you pick up on the next episode, you know? Um, So, Stolen Kids. Uh, This takes place in 1989 in Harlem. Um, We meet quite a few people kind of right off the bat. Um, We meet Mary Murphy, who is a TV reporter. We meet a couple um, residents that are just kind of giving their, um, kind of describing the neighborhood at the time in 1989 you know that it was you know new york in the 80s there was it was higher crime than it is now on um, there you know harlem was a tougher area but it was a close-knit community um it seemed like there was also you know everyone commented on the fact that there were a lot of drugs in the community but at the same time it was full of just people like you would expect everyday normal people families lots of kids and mm-hmm. uh, parents who were you know, just working really hard to provide a life and some normalcy for their families. Mm-hmm. We um, we also meet our main law enforcement person of this episode, Ken Lindahl, who was in, and he's retired now, but he was an NYPD inspector. Um, Man, we'll I liked him. Ken. <laughs> we'll hear from him quite a bit. He, the accents in this episode are just as New York-y as you expect them to Chef's be. Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss on the accents. Oh. So, as our first uh, sadness tangent, um, our first sadness break here. So, my adorable tiny mother uh, grew up in Bronxville. So, not the Bronx, but Bronx. Bronxville. Ville. Yes, uh, in New York. Um, she does not have a New York accent, but okay. she thinks she does. <laughs> so, whenever she... I love you, Mom, and I... 
know you're not going to listen to this, um, but if dad ever gets to this episode, I love you. And this is this is said with the most adorable love and care and kindness. But whenever she says a word wrong, she says it's because of her New York accent. I love your mom so much. <laughs> Which includes the word frajita. Oh, is that like an enchilada? <laughs> she does say enchilada correctly, but uh, frajita, she Fra- says. Hita. And she, she says that she adds R's to things because of her New York accent. And I go, that's, that's not, not a... how those okay. work. Um, but I love it. So you have so to cute. imagine, guys, that I have this tiny mother. She's four foot nine. She's adorable. Um, who is from New York ish uh, from the state not the city uh and then I you just have... took a drink when you said that and i almost <laughs> spit it out all over the microphone Woo! and then you have my dad uh-huh. who is uh very tall um and uh from the dc area and has a full-on uh merland kind of accent where he says he adds he does add ours to things he says washington uh, listeners, uh, depending on your age, you might not get this reference, but Google it. Uh, he looks like Wilford Brimley, my father. <laughs> he does. <laughs> um, and they're adorable. But yes, yeah, so whenever I hear New York accents, I'm always like, this is the accent my mother wishes she should have. That's um, <laughs> what she was born unlike, to have. Yeah, you know, she wishes that she was uh, really from there the way, you know, Ilaria Baldwin is from Spain. You know what I'm saying? That's how my mom is from New York. No, no one can see my face right now, but I am, <laughs> I am making one. Anywho. So, sadness break over. So we see, uh, get an establishing shot of the Martin Luther King Central Towers, which are the buildings uh, around the park that uh, and where all of our our two mothers in this episode live. And we meet our first mother, Allison Dansby, um, who had lived her whole life in the towers. Her mother lived there. Um, you know, a lot of her family lived there. Um, and we find out that she had two sons. Uh, in 1989, she was 26. She had Levon, who is three. And she had Christopher, who they called Choo Choo, which I thought was the cutest thing on earth. So cute. Um, who was two. And he was the cutest the child. The chubby little oh my gosh. kid. And then they showed, I mean, of course, they showed a lot of pictures of Choo Choo and Levon. And then the three of them um, together... And there's one they keep showing of them up. Um, it looked like on a rooftop pool of them together swimming. And they just look like this adorable little family. And they just look so happy and sweet together. Oh, I just uh, love his little cheeks. It's so cute. And also, the child that they got to be Christopher in the reenactment is just as adorable. And the little, and... I, I can't help it. The, those little clothes that they put him in. I, I had this thing when people put babies and toddlers in what look like clothes that an adult man would go to a barbecue in which is what they, <laughs> they have them in like this little polo shirt and shorts and like little kids it's, so cute. it's like where are you where are you going sweet pea you go do it the barbecue's starting it too so he is he's got to make a grilling trip to the store to go get ice first you know <laughs> ice and charcoal baby ice that, and charcoal you need you know he's just being considerate guest so uh, we also meet Carolyn Manley, who is Chris's aunt, uh, and she said that Chris was super attached to his mother, wouldn't just go away with anybody, um, but also he was too, so he's also very easy to just grab. Right, um, right. 
Well, yeah. and right, and that he's two. So she's like, he's talking a little bit. He's saying like mama and a few other people's names, but he's not, you know, there's this point, listeners, if you don't have children, before they really start talking and you're like, wow, like, I want to hear all those thoughts that are going on in their head. It's going to be so great when they start talking. And it is. But what you also don't realize is they never stop talking. <laughs> so this, but but that that switch hasn't flipped yet for Choo Choo. So he's still. And he wouldn't have the vocabulary to be like, hey, someone I don't know is grabbing me. Like, Excuse it, me, stranger. Take your hands off of me, sir. So, you know, he's not Stewie Griffin. Like he's not going to. <laughs> no, no. But they said he's also, um, he seemed like he's very much a, a mama's boy, right? They say every time his mom's in the room, he lights up. He. He knew a lot, you know, he knew the people that he regularly interacted with and he would stay or go with them, but he wouldn't go with strangers. Like he, he seemed like he had well-developed sense of stranger danger, which Mm -hmm. good and critical for um, everyone's development. But when kids go through that, it's intense. I will tell you though, um, when kids don't have that and one of our nephews, didn't really have a stranger danger sense where, and it was, I mean, really sweet because he just wanted to love everyone and be everyone's friend. But, you know, there's one time we all went um, mattress shopping in the neighborhood and he, when we left, he was like hugging the mattress salesman. Like he, (laughs) he just didn't have a sense of like, I don't know this person. So maybe I know it. It's like, it's so sweet, but you can see like, it can be very, it can be dangerous when they don't have that sense, but it doesn't seem to be the case with Choo Choo. May 18th, 1989, uh, Allison and Chris go to the park and it does sound like day that everyone was at the park. It was right. super hot, like everyone wanted to go. And so Carolyn was there, like other people they knew were there. Like there, so there, there was people there that they knew. <laughs> His grandma was there, that kind of thing. So Allison says they went there, they went down some slides. He couldn't go down the big ones himself. Oh, so she was sliding heart. down, down with him. Um, so they're there for a little bit and then Allison leaves Choo Choo with his grandma. She doesn't just leave. Right. Um, and cause, because Carolyn says that's what they used to do is they would go to the park for a little bit and then they'd leave and go and get kids, the kids something to eat at the store. So maybe like some candy or some ice cream or something like that. Which smart because you, you want to keep the hangry children at bay. You need to keep the hangriness at a safe distance. Right. So uh, she leaves. She comes back 30 minutes later and no one can find Choo Choo. They had the whole group of kids there. They're looking around. They realize that they're, that Choo Choo's missing. So they can't find him. The whole group is searching. They call the police. Amer- apparently the police just take, dis- you know, small children disappearing quite seriously. As they it's should. Not- and I was very happy to yeah. hear this because, again, I thought, is this going to be a case where they, like, it didn't believe the mom or because they're black and in harlem they're not going to be taking this as seriously right you know and not deploying of the resources it seems like they put out the goddamn cavalry and Mm -hmm. everything they had that they had the police there were apparently 14 towers in this complex with 10 tower 10 towers 14 floors okay thank you tower right and so that they had police officers going through every tower every door in the base, they showed them going through the basements, and I was like, oh, I don't know about them. Searching right. for Choo Choo, they couldn't find anything. Um, yep. They had helicopters. They, um, So it seems like they re- they had dogs. They had search dogs. Yep. It seems like they really, really put out um, the full force of the police department trying to find this child. 
Right. So we, this is when we kind of talk to Ken again, and he says, they rush the scene. He says, missing kids, it's all hands. He says, at first, you, you do the canvas, you do the building by building search. Um, we get a comment from Mary, the reporter, who goes, you know, it's when, when, and they make a lot of comments about how densely populated this particular, like Harlem in general, but also like this complex is where, you know, you can't really search it quickly because it's just so densely populated. Um, the search area for Christopher was 24 blocks, um, the bottom of which there was a pond. And so they had scuba searching the pond. Um, they had a dog search. They had um, Allison, uh, Chris's mother, go get some, his, some of his clothes so they could pick up a scent. Apparently they picked up a scent for a little bit, but lost it around 110th Street. So, you know, there was that, that was the one trace they had. And then, you know, but you're in New York, Grab a cab and the scent's going to be lost. Right. Um, cab, bus, whatever. Right. Pick him up. Ken Men- right? Like, <laughs> right. Ken Menton said there's a lot of entrances and exits to the park, like holes in the fence where like kids like to come in and out. <laughs> um, it would be very easy to, um, you know, pull Christopher. Um, he's so little, right? So it's it's not like, even if he's struggling and kicking and screaming, like it's very But also, that, I hate to say just, this too, but like you, that is something that happens just routinely with very small children when you leave the park that there are upset children because they don't want to leave the park. And so you always will at any given park, if you just stay there for 30 minutes, you will see a parent leaving with a very unhappy toddler at this age, kicking and screaming and crying. Not that there are any reports of anybody seeing that, but I'm just saying it's not an unusual thing to see anyways. So if you saw that, you wouldn't automatically be like, Oh, this person's kidnapping this child. I, my first thought is (laughs) kid does not want to leave that slide. He's like, he's going to tucker himself out, you know, that kind of, yeah, it's just. So Ken then goes through kind of the first things that you go through when a child is taken. So you think, is it a family member? Is it a custody issue? Um, But they immediately rule all these things out. Um, Christopher's father is in Florida, was in Florida at the time. Um, But he comes up to New York to talk to to them and give them all the information that he has. Yes. Because obviously he wants to help however he can. Right. Totally cooperative. Um, the next thing that Ken brings up is a drug issue. And, I, I, and I'm listening to all of this through the lens of, you know, how much of this is routine and how much of this is it's in Harlem. She's a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so Carolyn does say that Allison was struggling with addiction at the time, but that had absolutely nothing to do with why Choo Choo disappeared. It's not like it was a dealer who was going to snatch him or something like that. Like she was just like she was. It, that was a completely separate thing from this right. issue. But, but it's still something they said they took into account. I guess they felt like they had to explore. Um, it made me really sad that that even came mm-hmm. up at all. The, I mean, and I guess you have to, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so it, it feels like they approached it in the right way. Like, okay, that's just a fact in the case. However, to be clear, just because someone has an addiction does not mean that they are any less worthy of having their child found mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yep. and she you know and then they they talk to her and allison is is crying uh, i i don't know how she made it i don't know how she was able to get through any of this to mm-hmm. be honest and to do it with such grace and composure like i i don't know if i ever would be able to talk about it that way but she was saying right. She was like yes i had a, i was struggling with addiction at that point in time i'm not gonna you know, sugarcoated. That was just a fact of my life then, you know? And so having to deal with all of these really difficult things all at at once, just again, just so much heartbreak in this episode. I mean, 
they take her to the park. Like the fact that she could even be anywhere near it without. I know. I know. Completely breaking down. That's what we get with Allison and Christopher. So then three months later in August, um, now we meet Rosa Glover and they note that she is Shane's mom. So Shane is our second boy that gets taken. She said she didn't know that that park was the park where that a, a child had been snatched from. Otherwise, she said she probably wouldn't have been there. Right? Um, I wouldn't either. Point, Jeez. Right? At that point, she, Rosa was 35 years old and Shane was under two. He was 19 months old. Oh. Um, <laughs> she says that she thought she couldn't have children and then Shane was like a miracle baby. Um, she also said that she never cut his hair. She always put it in braids and she said she was going to cut it when he was two and oh. she never got the chance. And the pictures of and then, him and his little suit, again, it's the, it's the grown up clothes on the baby. The pictures of him in his little suit with his braided hair. He was so adorable. Not that if these were ugly children, I'd be like, well, they were ugly. It's fine. But it's just like, these are the most cherubic, like just adorable. Oh. Rosa says that when she got there, a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old came running up to her and said that they wanted to play with Shane and, like, wouldn't leave her alone about it. And she was like, leave me alone. And they, like, wouldn't leave her alone. And then she was like, fine. Um, is that weird that the 10-year-old and the 6-year-old is like, let me play it with happens. that less than 2 It happens. Um, I mean, obviously, when the kids are a little bit older and they go to the park, kids will come up to them and say, I, do you want to play with us or I want to play with you? But when they're that little, sometimes kids slightly older kids will come up um, okay. and ask say like hey i want to play with her or him i say her because my own experience um so it's happened before and usually when that happens especially if it's kids you don't know i mean i'm always kind of you know like you're keeping an eye on them so it's not crazy to have that okay, yeah because i was trying to remember back to like my childhood because in we had a little neighborhood and I remember like there were a bunch of boys my brother's age and so he would play with them and I would toddle on after them because I thought they were the coolest. Um, not a lot of kids my age, but I remember there were times when they just like all the kids in the neighborhood, regardless of age, were just out and like kind of running and biking around. And so I was like, I guess maybe something like that where you'd be like, mm -hmm. there's absolutely no reason for me to be playing with this kid that's six years older than me, but we're all just out. <laughs> but I feel like it, um, it does happen more when it's an older girl. And smaller okay. kids because you know it's that whole like oh they're so cute like i wanna mm -hmm. you know um uh, or they yeah. might be getting to that age like they're not quite old enough to babysit but they have small siblings themselves they're right. used to playing okay i got you i got you okay because I, I was like huh um I, I just i just remember my brother being like katie go away <laughs> i'd be like no you guys are so cool um i mean anyway. i know we have that conversation at least once a day katie <laughs> Katie, go away. <laughs> You're so cool. You're so cool. Um, I know. So, so Rosa says, fine, okay. And she goes and sits down on a bench and she says she's keeping an eye. And then a man sits down next to her. So she turns and looks at the man who sits next to her. And when she turns back, Shane is gone. And your uh, heart falls into your stomach. Because A, her kid, yeah, two seconds. Her kid is gone. She doesn't have eyes on her kid anymore. And she said that this was the first time that she had let her son play with other kids because usually she said she worked, you know, five days a week. Then she'd have two days off. That was her time that she would spend with her son and they would play at the playground together. Right. And that he wasn't playing with other kids yet, which, yeah, at that age, totally understandable. 
Um, she's like, so it was my first time and I made a mistake. And I just, just like, no, this was not your mistake, Rosa. Right. Um, so yeah, so with Allison, it seemed like they had a whole kind of, and they say this, like it takes a village, like sister was there, her mother was there, that kind of thing. Rosa says it's just her and Shane. Like they don't have that big extensive network. So that's, you know, she's like, I hadn't let them play with kids before, other kids before. Like it was just him and me. Uh, like punch to the gut. So she sees the kids that she let him play with and she goes, where is he? And And they say, we left him in the park. And I'm like, what? Like, if, like, you know, she turned away for a second. Like, why would you leave a fucking 19 month old? Because kids don't think. Kids don't think about these things. That's why. So, call the police. Um, and Ken says it was so strange that it was the same time of day, both on a Thursday, same park. Um, there's the same thing, a search party, canvassing, there's no sign of him. They get a tip that he was buried somewhere, and they knock a building down. Yeah, they did. They knocked that building to the ground. They showed the video of it. I was like, well, literally moving buildings trying to find this missing child, which good. Which also, uh, whoever gave that tip, I hope you had explosive diarrhea that night and, like, bad things happened to you. Um, I don't want to wish death on people, but, like, how dare you? But what if they heard it from someone else and they really believed it might have been true? I think you should wish explosive diarrhea on the person who originated the the lie. Yes, on the source. On the source of the the lie. Explosive diarrhea that, like, the person they're in love with, like, hears and thinks is gross. I like that that a lot. It's not, it's not enough. It's not enough. It's but, not, but it's a start. It makes, but like, how it's a start. You? Rosa thinks that the kids like gave him to somebody, as you um, would, you because yeah, right. you're sitting there putting all these pieces together, and yeah, the first thought is the kids are involved, the man that sat next to her on the binge is involved, because it all seems at the outset like a little bit too coordinated. So yeah, so Ken interviews the kids. He says he talked to the kids. He talked to the kids' parents. They all check out. Um, he finds the man that was sitting next to Rosa that distracted her. Um, he, and like, he cooperated and he checked out. Um, there was a $30,000 reward for information. They formed a task force because now you've got the two kids. You, they had those sound trucks going around, they called them. That's like announcing, you know, Shane Walker is gone. And that's how, um, Allison hears about it. Ken mentions that the worst case scenario is there's a pedophile or some sort of serial killer. Um, but he does suggest that maybe it's somebody who couldn't have a child themselves, couldn't adopt via normal means, and therefore took it upon themselves to liberate themselves a baby, <sighs> which is like <laughs> so awful. So <laughs> so awful, but it does happen. We know yes. it happens. Um and they, it, I thought it was really interesting. They were like, well, this is a theory, but that would be exceedingly rare. And we don't really put too much um, stock into that. They then proceed to tell us about another similar case that where that had <laughs> happened in Harlem two years earlier. So I was like, so which one is it? Netflix? Right. Right. Uh, so yeah. So the, the one thing that Ken does debunk is baby stealing rings. He says there was no evidence to that effect. And he... But he does say, he's like, it, it would be difficult to pay someone to steal a baby. And I'm like, is it that difficult? Like, I, I don't know if difficult is the right word here. Because I, I, I'm sure I could just hand someone some money and be like, go steal me that baby. Like, I don't think it's that difficult if there's someone who's 
willing to steal a baby to just give them money to do it. Um, but okay. So he says no evidence, nothing surfaced. Um, they sent officers to Rosa's house. They tapped her phone in case there was a ransom call. Um, but there were no leads. There's no surveillance cameras. It's very, and Mary, the reporter does note again that it's so densely populated. It's very easy for a child to kind of vanish into thin air. And, and when you think um, about the ages of these kids, they're young enough. They're not talking very much. And they're young enough that at this age, mm-hmm. you start calling them another name and you have them with another family. They're not going to remember. Oh, yeah. You're, mm-hmm. you're the person who totally uh, stole me from that park when my mom took right. me out to go to the slides. So at this point, we also meet Robert Lowry, who is the VP of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And he does note that after 30 years, the chance of finding these children is remote. However, that is when they launch into that story of, um, and why he says never give up hope, particularly with small children, um, because typically it's someone who's stealing a baby to steal a baby, not murder a baby. So he brings up the case of Carlina White. She was taken from Harlem Hospital in 1987 when she was 19 days old. Her mom took her to the hospital because she had a fever. And then there was a woman dressed as a nurse who was consoling her. And at during the shift change, smuggled the baby out and ran with it oh. and raised the baby as her own. When Carlina, is, who's being raised as Nettie, is 23, she gets pregnant. And she's, I think, trying to get insurance or something like that. And she needs, she finds out, she, like, takes her birth certificate to do this. And they're like, this is a forgery. And she's like, huh? Um... <laughs> And then, (laughs) come again, sir. Uh, Then sees the photo of herself on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's website, and is like, "That looks like my child. That looks like my baby. That could be me." Um, And they take a DNA test, and she figures out that she's this missing child. Um, And Anne Petway, who was the abductor, the fake nurse, um, gets charged with kidnapping. She gets picked up on a parole parole violation and in north carolina and then gets charged with kidnapping um and she gets reunited with her family and they show that like they show them like having a meal i don't know if it's just a meal or if it's thanksgiving or some sort of holiday but it's like this joyful reunion and the mother in that case is like we never gave up hope and um you know it cuts to allison saying you know if it can happen for them it can happen for us um we also meet colin mcnally who is a forensic artist with the National... I wonder if it's Nick Nick, or if there's like a way to pronounce it. <laughs> the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And he says that since their division started in 1989, they've done over 7,000 age progressions. And you see him doing age progressions of uh, Chris and Sheen. They cut back to Rosa, who has framed several of the age progressions. Ugh. Because she says it's nice to have Shane around. And it's just, if you weren't crying already, whoo! Yeah. That's pretty much the episode. And then they say, if you recognize Chris, Shane, or any of these other photos, and they show more babies and more age progressions of other missing children. I wish that they'd actually given us more information on why those other children were chosen. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they all seem to be, like, around the same time, 
Like they were all kind of like in their, they'd be all be in their thirties now, but I don't know if it's like they were taken from the same area right. or there and it was happened no. So quickly you're already feeling awful at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. And then that's just like a final gut punch. It's like, uh, Oh, where you just keep seeing all of these children and here's what we think they look like in their thirties. Like, geez, there was also another article that I saw on the Google machines about, um, around the same time in 1989 in Brooklyn, another baby was abducted. Uh, it seems like this was happening in this area, in this time frame. So in this other case, there was um, a baby, Andre Bryant, who in late March in Brooklyn, his mother took her son, Andre, on a shopping trip with two other people that she knew, and she never came home. And the mother's body was found in the Bronx, um, but they never found the baby, right? And so, and he was six weeks old. So again, it's just like they hold out hope because they've never found the bodies of either of these two children. So you think, well, if no one's found their body, like they must be, they have to be somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the hope is, well, the best possible outcome is that somebody would have at least loved them, fed them. Mm-hmm. while they were growing up and that they are still alive somewhere and that hopefully maybe one day they can be reunited with these poor poor mothers mm-hmm. especially nowadays since you know everything's garbage um whenever <laughs> whenever my lovely friends have children and i'm so 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 happy for them i'm also like oh welcome to all of the fears i remember my parents like making sure I was in my bed every night. And since I, I slept locked as a child, I gave them some <laughs> frights um, when they would check to see if I was in bed and I wasn't in bed. Um, but, you know, kidnapping, I remember being a huge concern. And, you know, there was always the talk of stranger danger and don't get into vans. And if someone says, I know your parents, like, don't believe them. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's so scary. And it's... we can only hope that these kids are out there. And you know, maybe get a 20, do a 23 and me, you know, and we catch them, yeah, right. ca- catch them, find them the way that, you like know, like a they Pokemon, you catch them all. <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Um, and it, it's hard, all. right? As a parent, you're thinking about this with your kids because they have to grow up and there are certain skills that they have to learn to be independent and you want to mm-hmm. foster that in a healthy way. Um, however, as a child growing up in the 80s, and Stranger Danger was at its height, and Satanic Panic, and people (laughs) are going, if you leave your house alone, people will abduct you and sacrifice you uh, to the Dark Lord. Like, that was just what was going to happen. (laughs) So it's, it's hard, because technically, like, you look at statistics, it is much, much safer now than it has been in decades. Um, The incident rates of these things, much lower than they have been. Um, we know that a lot of the stories of stranger danger abductions and satanic panic were overblown, right? And that a lot of this was more urban myth-making um, in the 80s and 90s. But it's still, like, instilled in you, and so these things pop up. So the other day, um, older dog... Uh, so let, let's talk about ways the pandemic has changed our life um, in a way that <laughs> probably does not matter to most people, and that would be Girl Scout cookie sales. This has changed Girl Scout cookie sales, right? And so instead of having, like, canvassing the neighborhood like we normally would, we just put out an email to our neighborhood listserv. We said, hey, if you're interested, just tell us what time we can stop by. So the other day, a neighbor that we know, have known for years, was like, yeah, um, I'm interested, like, this time at my house, which is probably, like, four blocks away. 
not super far. It's like an extra block away from where the girl's bus stop would be. They want, and you know, they wanted to go alone, which I understand when I was their age, I would go places alone in my neighborhood to other kids' houses or neighbors' houses. Or, you know, when I had to sell stuff for school, my parents would be like, yeah, you go up and down the street. We're not going to go up and down the street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, you know, neighborhood kids like to go to the creek and look for the goat man. That's what we did. <laughs> so, yeah. And so it was really <laughs> like that. It was, Why did I cackle directly into the bike, too? Because, I went towards because, it. Because why am I? So I'm I'm going full Mariah and just <laughs> into the mic. And only Mariah, full Mariah, is if it's uh, encrusted with diamonds and there's okay. a bottle of champagne. You know? So it, it was a really like it was a really tough decision, right? And then um, yeah, it's it's hard to know what's right. And even when you are thinking you're doing everything right. You see how something goes wrong. You turn your, people are not exaggerating when they say you, you blink or turn your head for a second and a kid can disappear, especially in a, mm-hmm. like these situations where they were crowded situations and there were a lot of people out. So the first time that one of my kids disappeared, each one has disappeared once. The, with older daughter, it happened when we had all gone to the auto show in DC and okay. we were at the convention center, pre, pre-Rona, obviously, but like full of people I mean, luckily, at least so we're in a contained, confined space because you're in the convention center, but we were all together and we were all standing up at like a little fence that they had established because there was an indoor course for the Jeeps. So people could take the Jeeps and show like the rough terrain that could go over. So we were all standing there together watching this. And then I looked down and older daughter was just gone. And it was like, how? We were all here. We literally were not walking anywhere. And she was just mm-hmm. not there anymore. So there was about a minute of pure sheer panic. Because also when you're inside for something like a big convention like that, they purposefully have all those booths and things set up. So when you're in an area, that's all you can see. Luckily, she had just gone through the thing at school where they um, learn your phone numbers. So she did the right thing. She found someone in, in a uniform and she asked to use their phone. <laughs> she called me. And we were probably like, 20 feet from where she was, but couldn't see her. It was crazy. Yeah, she's so little. How old was she at that point? She was probably seven at that point. And then with, so I'm in just a sheer number of people. Like it was awful. It's so loud. You can't just go like, hey, no, first daughter. And then, you know, you can hear her little voice go, ma'am. You know, but at least there I was like, okay, we're inside. There's no way she could have gotten outside without us they have people posted at all the doors right so there there's that um but with younger daughter she was about five and we were at the beach and it was um it was over fourth of july weekend and it was conservatively i think it was probably 120 degrees at the beach like it was hot 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 hot, hot. like the kind of hot where like you don't even want to touch the sand it was so hot but we were at the beach and so were i don't know like a million two million other people um over at virginia beach so, I mean, it was just wall-to-wall people. Um, we set up our area. The girls go down to the water. We're sitting there. And, like, seriously, you look away for one minute, come look back, and one of them was just gone. Younger daughter was just gone. Older daughter was like, oh, I, I was I followed her up here, like, from the beach. We came up together. I don't know where she, like, she was here and now she's not. And we were like, we looked away and then she was gone. So we start flipping out and panicking. And, unfortunately, that took us about five minutes before we found her, which were probably the worst five minutes of my life. Because as we all know, I have a fear of the whole underwater can't breathe thing. And then we're at the ocean 
And I was yeah, like, we don't, fuck she... with, we don't fuck with the ocean. On no, this and I'm like, did she like, what's worse? A stranger took her or she got sucked into the ocean. I don't know. And luckily someone saw us panicking and said they had seen her crying and that she was with the lifeguard. So we go to the lifeguard and she is just chilling, having the best time uh, looking for dolphins with the lifeguard, which was great and lovely. But she was, she was at that age where she, she could tell someone our full, not just mom and dad, but like our full names, her full name and address, but like did not know our phone number. So after that, that was the day that we were like drilling the numbers <laughs> into her head. Like, let's all drive to the tattoo parlor. Yes. Um, right. It's time to get a baby tattoo. You know, baby tats. <laughs> right. You know, just be like, if found, please call MM and super husbands. <laughs> uh, as opposed to the conversation I had with them. I mean, they're much, they're, they're much older now um they're eight and nine and yesterday so super husband has um a fascination with tiny houses i think you know about this and he's always watching the youtube videos watches about like how they build them so that we were watching one the other day and um it was a group of friends who were together building this tiny house and of course for youtube they're having ye grand old time camping out and just having what i'm hoping was a pre-corona party to like build <laughs> this tiny house. And one of the things they were doing was giving each other tattoos by the fire. And I was like, girls, we Someone's need to have a conversation. Tetanus. If you ever decide to get a tattoo as an adult, please go to a professional. Do not let your friend tattoo you by the fire while you are please, camping. Please call your aunt Katie. She She'll can give you some tattoos. To a, a reputable joint. I mean, um, She'll find you a good artist. Yes. She will talk you out of getting a uh, Raphael tattooed on your back, <laughs> which is what I wanted as a child. Tasteful uh, and classic. Look, Virginia has a robust uh, tattoo parlor licensure process, so just go to a professional, please. That's yep. all I'm asking. That's all. Yep. Yeah, once you're 18, your body, your choice. Uh, but you're never going to, unless you yourself have gone through the robust licensure. That's you are right. not tattooing anybody, and that person is not. And you. in true classic form for each one of them, older daughter goes, "Oh, but you wouldn't let us do that, anyways." And younger daughter's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> "That's them in a nutshell." There we go. So I fully expect um, her to come back from her first week of camp once the world opens up again with a homemade tattoo from like another 10 year old. Oh yeah. Full sleeve of like temporary glittery. <laughs> full sleeve. Um, so I remember very much um, never, I don't remember ever freaking my parents out, but I definitely must have because I always, I hated shopping mm -hmm. and I loved when my mom and my aunt, they used to go, you know, marathon shopping time. Um, I remember loving crawling into, and I could walk, so I wasn't like crawling, but like crawling into um, a, you know, in your department store and there's all those clothes, like yes. finding a rack of, a, ra a round rack of dresses. Yes. yes. So that I could crawl into the middle and hang out and I would just go and do it. And I thought I was so stealthy. So it's like there had been times when my mom did not see me dart away. Um, I so I don't, but I don't ever remember them freaking out. But also, I was you know like I would remember. I remember um, 
because Moxie's oh, trying Pierre, to escape. That's she's Moxie, she's yeah. shaking her cage, which is her her normal <laughs> language of "let me out of here." She would like to nothing more than to have you look away for a second and disappear. <laughs> um. So I also remember since you know I'm ancient, um, and there being no cell phones and and that kind of thing. Of my mom showing me if we ever got separated, like you come, like where the info booth in yes. the mall was, and you know how to ask. And I knew the phone, my home phone number, and like they deliberately when they got um, the house where I grew up in, um, I remember they didn't take the number that like came with the house. Like my dad looked up like an easy to remember. Oh, hey. Like, there's a registry where you could, like, where it's easy numbers to remember. Um, and, like, I still remember my childhood phone number. And, like, they, they fully imposed upon me stranger danger. They fully imposed upon me don't go with anybody. But, like, if someone grabs you, right? you know, and it, you don't want to impart such fear on your kids that they're afraid of everybody. Because, like, at one point, I was so afraid of strangers and this is not my parents' fault. This is this type of person I am. Um, that I just wouldn't want to talk to anyone I didn't know. Oh, it's yeah. real hard Same. to meet new people in your life if you don't want to talk to strangers. Same. Um, well, and every but, now and then I'll come across a kid like that. And mom's like, good job, parents. So, like, if you're at the park uh, pre-Rona times and, like, a kid kicks a ball over. And if you take it back over and you'll say something like, oh, is this yours? You know, did you lose this? And they'll say, I'm not supposed to talk to you. And run away. And I'm like, good job. Good job, parent, teacher, whoever did this. I approve. Mm-hmm. I approve. I don't I don't know how, I don't know how anybody, I don't know how you get up every day and move on. I don't. I don't. Well, I know for Allison, I mean, she has another son. So I'm sure there was an element of she has to create some normalcy and a life mm-hmm. for him. Um but it, it would just be one of those, I think everybody has a couple of moments in their life where there's like a before time and an mm-hmm. after time. And obviously for them, I mean, their lives are never going to be the same after that. And yeah. so I'm sure their lives are divided into, you know, before May and August of 1989 and after. Yeah. Say something funny just... now, Katie. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Rude it did to do. Um, so, <laughs> listeners, knowing that this was, uh, I mean, not that any of these things are easy to joke about, no. but, you know, we did go on our um, big snow trauma tangent last week. So, I, we don't have those stories to tell no. them to. Um, well, I, I have I have my buy nothing ooh, that I oh, share. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, listeners, someone was giving away a go girl, which, if you do not know, <laughs> is a female urination device. So if one is camping or running a Ironman marathon or whatever, it enables a woman to urinate while standing up. I applaud this device. I, I think everyone should pee standing up. Good for us. It's great. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you're afraid of the squat, if you're afraid of like getting pee on you, or it, it is a the poison ivy, I don't know, you know. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so someone was giving this device away. Um, it was not n- new in the box. The nope. person said it had been used. And someone was like, multiple people actually were like, interested. And it was gone the same day. Please contrast this with a child's play table I am desperately trying to give away on our Buy Nothing group. And no one will take it. They will take a used 
female <laughs> urination device and they will not take a play table. It wasn't even a go girl. It was like an off. It was an off brand go girl. Yeah. And and they didn't even specify that they had like bleached it. Nope. Nope. And someone else was giving away a giant horde of ketchup packets and not even good ketchup packets. It was Hunt's ketchup packets. <laughs> not the good stuff from Chick-fil-A. Burn. Not the good stuff Burn. from Wendy's. This was not Heinz. Hunt's. And somebody took that. No one will take this play table. Somebody take the play table. I put it, it was on like two different groups. Tomato, tomato catsup. Yeah, catsup. I put it on tomato flavored sauce. <laughs> I put it on the buy nothing group. I put it on our neighborhood group. No one will take it. And yet someone took a single package of Sour Patch Kids. Yes. Um, I, and, and to be clear, I applaud this. I think there people should be reusing these things. They should not end up in the landfill. I am just bewildered. Why, no one, there's nothing wrong. It's a perfectly good table. It is. Yeah, it's. Clean? It's a, that's a get. It, that's a get. Why? So I'm tasking my kids to make a giant sign that says free in bold letters and is, is supposed to not rain tomorrow. And then it's going to the curb where things always disappear. But, um, mm-hmm. so someone will take, I hope I'll have a countdown going though. Also, Katie, do you know what I've not heard this week? I would hazard to say you heard nothing about tropical fruit. I have heard nothing about tropical fruits, namely papayas. Although I did get great feedback from um, a friend of mine, Elon, so on the podcast. So thanks for listening, Elon. Shout out to you. Shout out. Yeah, I I, uh, mentioned I had a friend who was in 911 Dispatch several um episodes ago mm-hmm. and uh our loyal listener julie shout out to julie um mentioned to that friend that he had been mentioned and so now he is pity listening yay um, pity listen hooray he does not listen to podcasts yeah i have another friend that i was saying hey you, you we talked about you not by name on the podcast and he said um well i subscribed on twitter and i said no you have to subscribe to the podcast Shout out to that friend. You know who you are if you're listening now. Um, doesn't he doesn't listen to podcasts? Steve doesn't listen to no. podcasts while he's out doing all that hiking. He was listening on our Captivate FM website, but I'm which is great. But I mean, okay, listeners, he has an amazing Instagram account where he records all of these gorgeous hikes that he goes on. I mean, if you think nature, if you if, if nature's your thing, um. He doesn't listen to any podcasts while he's doing that? No. He just hikes in silence? I, he probably listens to Tool or some shit. <laughs> that's that's right, Steve. That's right. Ooh. Shots. That's right. I, call, I called you out. Shots. Um, his ears are like itching or something right now. It's like, I feel like I got dunked on and yet I don't know how or why. <laughs> if, if no one's um, around to hear a dunk in the forest, <laughs> has a dunk occurred? I mean, he goes on these things by himself. Only a man. He's going to... He's going to get 127 hours. Like, he has a finger that doesn't bend correctly because he slipped and fell and broke his finger. Okay, but also only a man. Okay, a oh, woman. Yeah. I wouldn't say Wait, never because Cheryl Strayed did take that amazing hike on her own that she wrote a book about. However, I feel like the people do a whole get podcast a about experience. women who go on hikes and never come back. We would we would ourselves become an unsolved mysteries episode when they find our bones. Well, Katie, I cannot wait until the day when uh, we can talk about the post-Rona 
times and we can go take a hike together and hopefully come back alive. (laughs) I mean, they can't get both of us. It's true. It's true. One of us will run and get a a weapon, a branch. One of us should be carrying an axe, I think, if we go on a hike. I mean, what kind of woman doesn't have an axe? One day in the post-Rona times, when we are in the same state again, uh, a hike will be had. Right. And it'll be lovely. (laughs) And we'll start... We'll start another Instagram account that can rival Steve's. No, we can't. Nothing can. Listeners, thank you so much for going on this journey with us through the first two seasons of Unsolved Mysteries on the reboot. We're now out of uh, reboot episodes. So next week, we will see what happens. Uh, We sort of mentioned a few ideas we had last episode of either going with some classic episodes, um, watching that fact or fiction show that Jonathan Frakes hosted and guessing whether or not it's um, fact fact or fiction or fiction. I forget what I was like looking at. It was some tweet because we had just talked about wanting to do this. And because Skynet is real, I was some tweet and it was something about how Republicans are liars. And um, it was like, it was some statement that they'd made and it was someone had put together a super cut of every time Jonathan Frakes said, that's false. Or it's false. <laughs> or we or we made that one up. That one was a writer did that. And, da, da, da. and like they made a super cut of all that. It's false. That's false. That's totally false. That's fake. That's wrong. Da, 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 da. And it was just love it. And I was like, hey Skynet, that was a nice little bit of synergy that you pulled together for us there. Love so maybe it. that's a sign that factor fiction should be our next move. But yes. we will we will chat about it and come back. And uh so we won't be back next week with another episode, but it will be about a mystery of some type. We That's will have right. glasses of wine in our hand. That's um, right. But other than that, it's a, dare I say, a mystery what's coming up next. <laughs> what wah, a perfect wah, wah. ending. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right. You can find us uh, on Instagram at Wine Times Pod and at and uh, Twitter at Wine Times Pod uh, or email us what you think about this episode or any other episode this season. Um, you know, just say hello. Uh, tell your own tale of when you gave your parents a heart attack in the slip. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, at winetonspod at gmail.com. Um, our in- individual accounts on Instagram would be at Katie Haas or at TrueCrimeWine69. And we'll talk to you soon. Come pop a bottle with us and uh, 